We are going on tour. The Glamorous Trash Podcast and my book tour have collabed and we're coming to a city near you. Click the link in the show notes to to get all of the deets. We're coming to New York City. On June 4th, we are kicking off an event with Jon Stewart. No big deal. That's our very first show in New York City. Then we're coming to Washington, D.C., Nashville, Chicago, Santa Fe, Albuquerque, Seattle, Portland, and Los Angeles. So get your tickets now. We are doing three different events because, you know, I'm always doing the most. That's just on brand, right? First, there's a glamorous trash party. It's the podcast meets the book tour meets Coachella, a live show featuring podcast segments, book segments, a very special guest. And of course, there's a runway walk at the end for people to show off their fits because the dress code to every event is obviously glamorous trash. We are also doing a cookie country club. It's the anti-country club country club. And it's very dreamy. You get like a bunch of products. There's little events. And it's a more intimate event where you meet other cookies and listen to a book chat with what me and another special guest. And then the final event, the Behind the Bangs Writing Workshop. I finally did it, put it together, put together this workshop because I wrote this book in many ways for younger me. And younger me would not have gotten off her couch unless there was also a workshop being taught. I wanted the gyms. I wanted I wanted the knowledge. I wanted the education. That's what I would have wanted. So I've decided I'm doing it. And in the workshop is going to be the six writing gyms that took me forever to learn. 15 years. In my 15-year career as a TV writer and author and blah, 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 all the other things I've written, there are six things that I always use, and all of those are in this workshop. So if you have an interest in writing, sign up. All the ticket links are live today. Click the show notes. Click my Instagram. We are coming to a city near you, and there's going to be some meet and greets. I'll sign some copies of books. We'll give out more books, and I have uh, some pieces of merch that I'm taking on the road, and I'm going to give them out at the shows. Hello and welcome to Glamorous Trash Talk, where I take a tangent and put out a short episode to discuss something besides celebrity memoirs that I also consider glamorous trash. If you're looking for your regular book recap episode, just click a different one because this is glamorous trash. Now, why are these episodes called glamorous trash? Well, it just really encapsulates who I am, where I come from, and also my taste. Glamorous Trash is the high and low of it all. Glamorous Trash is ordering a side of aioli and ranch. Glamorous Trash is sneaking in your own popcorn to the movie theater, not necessarily because you can't afford it, but because you also packed a roast chicken and some sangria. Glamorous Trash is a podcast about female celebrity memoirs where you talk about the hot goss and the structural misogyny that leads to women's stories being considered trash. In this episode, we're discussing Scandaval. Now, if you have not followed along, it's totally fine. I'm going to give you a recap at the top so that you can enjoy this episode. The series just wrapped up. The reunion just dropped. And so we're going to dive into Scandaval, but also a lot deeper because my guest today has a theory about radical honesty and cheating that we're going to dive into as it relates to Vanderpump Rules. So let me give you a brief overview for anyone who needs it. Then I'll bring on our guest. You can skip ahead three minutes if you don't need the recap. So I was not watching Vanderpump Rules. I had stopped at season five after Brittany and Jax made beer cheese in their kitchen. I said, you know what? I'm good. I don't need this. Then when Scandaval broke, I got so curious, but I wasn't going to go back five seasons. So I watched the final two episodes of season 10, and I highly recommend this viewing strategy for anyone who wants in. You can just watch those two episodes 
it was riveting. In the penultimate episode, we see that Raquel has made out with Tom Schwartz and she spends the episode badgering Katie, his ex-wife, that she, Katie, doesn't get to be mad about this makeout. And she takes it really far. It's as if the producer is like shoving her into frame being like, go yell at Katie again. It's a giant storyline that she has made out with Tom Schwartz. We also see Raquel comfort her friend, Ariana, who is having relationship trouble with her boyfriend, another Tom, Tom Sandoval. Raquel asks Ariana if she's even attracted to her boyfriend, Sandoval, anymore, if they have sex anymore, and lets her know that she should want to have sex with her boyfriend. And it's kind of weird that she doesn't. On top of that, these two Toms, Schwartz and Sandoval, are best friends. They are a genuine, living, breathing Tweedledee and Tweedledum of the Sunset Strip. Now, in the next episode, in the finale, it comes out that Raquel has actually been having a six-month-long affair with Tom Sandoval, the other Tom, which means her storyline involving Schwartz is very gross, shady, possibly an incestuous cover-up from these two Tweedledildos, I don't know. And what she did to Ariana as a friend was beyond the cheating. It was deeply, personally cruel. The final thing to know is that Tom Sandoval is the worst. He's got a pristine white gel manicure throughout this whole thing. A white gel manicure is so hard to upkeep, you guys. It's like, I've had them before. They get dirty so fast. His was always pristine. Where did he get the time and energy? He also has a giant hair swoop. It looks like a pedophile version of Justin Bieber's hair because it also has a mustache that goes along with it. And he cheated on his partner, Ariana, of nine years with Raquel, then goes to unreal lengths to cover it up that we are going to discuss. After that, I was hooked. I went back to episode one of the season. I watched it backwards. It was so juicy knowing what's coming. So much other stuff happens. It's the most layered reality TV viewing experience ever. Now let's bring on my guest to discuss. Our guest today is a writer based in Los Angeles. Her recent work can be seen on Party Down, The Goldbergs, HGTV's House Hunters, Comedians on Couches, NBC's Indebted. Previously based in Chicago, she was the head writer for Cards Against Humanity and member of the Second City National Touring Company. Please welcome my friend of 15 years, Joe Feldman. 15. Is it 15? That's long, but yeah, that feels right. It feels like it's long. So Joe also guested on an episode where we discussed Carney Wilson's book. It hasn't been released yet, but we did our How We Met story then. We're going to wait for it to drop then. Yeah. And Joe is a scandal expert in mm. my life. Would you say that's correct? Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess in your life, definitely, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was, I was out on this series for a long time. And separate... From Vanderpump Rules, Joe and I have had deep conversations about this concept Joe lives by called radical honesty. <laughs> and also, like, whenever, like, drama has come up, whether it involve us or not, yeah. we've talked about, like, cheating, radical honesty, all this stuff. So is, this was kind of like a perfect uh, convergence of themes to have you on for this episode. Yes. I like that you are sort of framing it like it's like a code of conduct that I live by, like I say it. I feel it. like that's true. I don't know if I, like—I mean, I definitely— do, but I, I've never said it. Like I've never thought of it. That, in, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're never, you're not like, I live by radical honesty. Like no. that, that would be a lot. I've heard you talk about it and I've seen it in action. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's dive in. I am putting this episode into three sections. The first section is giant red flag takeaways mm. from the season. And I want to start with something that I have not seen talked about. And it is the canary in the coal mine. It tells me everything you could ever need to know, which is that Ariana, her dog, Charlotte, yeah. who was with her for 18 years, dies during the season, during season 10. And after her dog passes away, it is when this affair takes place. And so Ariana is constantly discussing 
you know, you did this when, when, when I lost my dog, my companion, my everything for 18 years. Now, Tom and Ariana were together for nine years. So Tom spent nine years with that dog, nine years with Charlotte. He refers to Charlotte as Ariana's dog. He says, she's sad. Yeah. He's not emotional at all. He could care less. Yeah. He doesn't even see it as his animal that he spent almost a decade with. You know, I had a boyfriend who had a cat and when we broke up, I was more attached to the cat. Like that was one of the hardest parts. And that was one of the hardest parts for me was supporting you through your sadness about that cat. (laughs) I was but you know, the cat, I, we didn't even like live together the whole time, but I was like, you know, this is my cat too. And I got to let her go. I know. I feel like you even tried to do like a split custody with a cat. And then you're like, what am I? Why? No. Yeah. I did for a second. We were going to do that. And then I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) I mean, and he had that cat before I entered his life, but don't you find it wild that Tom was not emotional about that dog at all or thought of it as his? Yes. It's something you're right. It has not been discussed. It's so, it's such proof of how unfeeling he is about, and it's not just how unfeeling he is about Ariana and their life together. It's just proof of how unfeeling he is. He is as a person, as a person, not motivated by the happenings around him or not impacted by the happenings around him, which is not, not great. Not great. Not great. The other big red flag takeaway for me is that he says, Ariana wants me to fertilize her eggs. Sort of not realizing Oof. it would be their children, but that, that's sort of a joint thing. Conception right. conception is for both of you. <laughs> and, and he takes Schwartz to the sperm appointment. This, there, has been, there have been two times in, in their friendship where they have each jizzed in a cup and the other one has been there for it. Schwartz, and for the medical results? Schwartz did it and then, and then Sandoval did it. And it's, um, yeah, it actually, like, it, I, I actually think what it is a reflection on is how they don't take any of it seriously. Like, he was, yeah. he, because Sandoval also used to say that he really wanted kids, and that was, like, a one hang-up in their relationship was Ariana wasn't sure. So then Ariana being the one to fertilize her eggs, which is, like, something women should do as an insurance policy in case they you know, change their mind or turns out to have been spending their last decade with, like, a fucking nightmare person. Wait, what What should they do? F- freeze your eggs. Oh, freeze your eggs. Not fertilize them, though. When you fertilize Sorry, them with another yeah. person, that's sort of a lifetime. Freeze them. That's an insurance policy. For, fertilize yeah. them. I heard someone else say this, so I don't, it's not my, uh, my own um, idea, but the idea of, like, had he fertilized those eggs is, like, a form of abuse, knowing that he was cheating on her. Yeah. Absolutely. And Sofia Vergara with her husband, her previous husband, they um, they did that with their eggs and sperm. They put them together. And then he ended up suing her <gasps> to try and get the embryos and have those children. <gasps> so it's it's a lot. It's legal. It's emotional. It's like to, yeah. to you know, it's a lot. And he, they didn't they didn't act like it was a lot. Normally, I would love a good dude friend by your side for sure. the sperm, sperm appointment. Yeah. This wasn't that. OK, next red flag, the T-shirt comment. So. Ariana, kind of this whole season, Tom has decided the strategy is to make her seem like a frigid woman who wasn't putting out and giving him sex. And he had to go have sex with Raquel. Ariana brings up that they were having sex. And he says at the reunion, yeah, we had a t-shirt on the whole time. It was so hot. I felt my stomach like leave my body, go spiritually throw up on him and then kind of come back into my body. 
Like you also the the fact that this that comment happened the, that comment on its own is abhorrent. It's disgusting. He's horrible. That comment as the culmination of what we've seen is like three hours, but for them was probably like ten hours of people ten hours of people being like fuck you, you're disgusting. You're have ugly. You, have you nothing to say for yourself? And for his retort to be like, but she was like not hot enough for me. Like, yeah, his like you. How dumb are you that you're so deeply in the doghouse that that is like your your only your only justification. Again, this is another example of like you don't care about how your actions make other people feel because all you're seeing is like, well, I had to fuck her friend like she wasn't giving me good sex. Like, yeah, she put me in this. She's she made the decision. She made the she's decision a mean for us. woman who doesn't give me good sex. She, and I had to. I didn't get to see yeah. her. But also, like we we're all having sex in our T-shirts sometimes, guys. I, it's just a part of life. And and sometimes it's hot. <laughs> yeah. And also, but he weaponized it. Yeah. He weaponized it. Yeah. And we know from the show she feels insecure about her body. Yeah. As she told to Raquel, yes. the mistress who asked for that information, yeah. who was in like, no, you're beautiful. And now Tom's like, she's not. Disgusting. Okay. <sighs> Speaking of t-shirts, Tom discussed in the previous, uh, in reunion part two, that the reason he started sleeping with Ariana again is that she had started being nicer to him. Yeah. And he gave an example in quotes. He said, instead of her being like, maybe you shouldn't wear the green sequined pants tonight, which we saw that scene. Right. It was very nice. She said things to me like, Tom, you're so good at fashion. So good at you fashion. should just wear what you want. And I was like, oh my God, that's his dirty talk. That's what gets him up. Yes. He's so, I also like what was crazy about that is that he, Raquel was, when he goes to talk to Raquel in the trailer after that, she's like, you had said that like you and Ariana weren't doing well. And he was like, yeah, I know. Like she was so mean to me. And then like, what's so crazy is like, I gave her feedback about how her actions were making me feel. And she like worked to correct those behaviors. And then like, we were good again. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> like, but, so I had to ha keep having sex with her because our relationship was improving. That fucking bitch. <laughs> that sucks, man. It sucked. It really did. Yeah, he's... <laughs> That's so, that's so well said. Okay, my last big red flag yeah. is um, nope. I have two more red flags. Okay, my second to last big red flag is Tom's band. So there's been a lot of discussion. Tom's band mm -hmm. and his band. He really got into his music. Then it sort of subtly is just mentioned that you know he pays all the musicians in his band for rehearsal time yeah. and performances and. But it's like very much like Tom pays these musicians. I was like, okay, so you're not in a band. You're in a very expensive live band karaoke hobby. Yeah. <laughs> you pay these people to let you live out your fantasy of being in a band, but you're not a band. It's Westworld. <laughs> yes, it's Westworld. It's Westworld, but instead of kill, rock killing band robots, fantasy. it's band, it's rock band. It's you get to pretend to be a singer and just pay us exorbitant amounts of money. <laughs> and people, I mean, it's crazy to me that I, I I understand that people are going so they can like hate watch him, but like don't give your money to that whole institution. Don't do it. I, it's I'm not gonna lie, I did consider. I was like, I just gotta see what this is. But you're right. But it's because he misinterprets it. Like he, people are going there and they're holding up like Team Ariana signs, but he's just seeing bodies at his shows. Like. Yeah. He doesn't, he's still getting that energy. It doesn't matter. Like there's not like, don't, don't go to those shows. 
that's a good PSA. Unless you really love karaoke. <laughs> if you love karaoke, but you don't want, you never want to sing yourself. No. You only want one person to sing. Go to Tom's karaoke shows. And we all know you go to karaoke to watch other people do it and not just exactly. patiently wait for your turn. <laughs> My final red flag, which I guess is just a thesis, which is that I love this show now that they are turning 40. Mm. It really changed the show for me because I, I didn't fully, I could never fully invest because sometimes it just seemed sad to know that some 20-year-olds were living like this, you know? And now that they're 40, it's so fun. Oh, yeah. You know, there's there's no excuses. Being Tom being 40 brought up all the time. I love it. Mm-hmm. He brings it up himself. He's like, I had to cheat. I was 40. And what I love is that this show is riddled with people cheating, backstabbing, gossiping, all of that. Why this season is so good is because it took so many layers of deception. There's like 10 layers of deception here for this group to care and for it to become a scandal. And they finally found their lot. They know it's they, the, the moral barometer is like, it's very bizarre on this show because Andy even pointed out, he's like, every one of you has cheated on someone except for Katie. Like they're all, they've all done this, but this was to such an extent. This was like, yes. so horrific. Yes. They found their line and it's really far. I too love that they're 40. I feel I, I feel a little terrified that um, some of our cast members are still renting. And I feel terrified that some are renting in neighborhoods I live in. Like, and I'm just a civilian and I'm not on TV and I can't afford a house. And the fact that they can't afford a house makes me feel like I'll never own a house. <laughs> that That is a dismal spiral. Like if, if James with his DJ career, in quotes, can't buy a house. Can any of us? We're fucked. We're fucked. I'm seeing these (laughs) teeny little apartments with these little patios. And I'm like, and we're all getting up there and I'm just feeling, oof, it's not looking good for us. Not looking good if you can be on TV, have Uber One commercials and not own, which they do. Okay. Any other giant red flag takeaways before we move into our second section, which is called things we didn't get to discuss in this season because Scandival <laughs> took up all the air in the room. Okay. Um, gosh, I have so many, so many notes that I really want to talk about. I want to talk about the Halloween costumes and the Mexico and like the when you rewatch it, how psychotic it really came off. Yes. So the Halloween costumes is that they have already started cheating. Yeah. Raquel and Sandoval have started cheating and sleeping together behind Ariana's back. And then Tom dresses up like Raquel for Halloween. With Ariana's help. With Ariana's help. He has his girlfriend help dress him up as his mistress. And then he kept, like, splitting hairs about <laughs> what mistress meant and, like, being like, it was a one time. Also, Which like, we find out is a lie. It's a lie. But there were, like, three weeks in between yes. the first time and then the time it started continuing. Also, I'm the mother of a toddler, so when I hear someone, like, drag that last vowel of their wine out, it, like, really deeply triggers me. And hearing the amount of times he was like, it was one time. Yeah. Oh my God. But he had his girlfriend dress him up as his mistress. mistress. Is, I mean, the section made for him in hell. Uh, It just has to be so deep. It has to be so deep because on top of that, in Mexico is when, I don't, I truly don't know if it's pretending or what, she makes out with Schwartz. Yeah. It, It really just looks like it was a distraction play. Like, make out with Schwartz so no one thinks that we're fucking, which also means she's making out with his best friend and then sleeping with him that night. I feel like 
maybe she was trying to make him jealous. Like, maybe they had fucked three weeks before that, and maybe she was, like, trying to stir the pot a little bit or, like, Mm. get him going in some way. But I don't—I really am curious what Schwartz's full involvement was the whole time because he seems—he's such a dodo. I really dislike him. So much of the season's drama was between Raquel and Katie about the Schwartz thing, and none of it was real. None of it was real. It, it does make me feel, I feel for Raquel in some ways because I, as my friend Jack Falker says, I don't think we're dealing with someone who is Herbie fully loaded. I think that we have to, we have to understand that she's, she's not really putting all these pieces together, but it does beg the question, like, what were you do? What were you doing? Why were you doing all, why were yes. you hurting this girl? You were hurting her so much, this woman in the middle of a divorce while you were hurting this other person, like. It's so much pain to inflict on other people. It's so much pain. We're going to dive into that at the very end, especially as we talk about Raquel's interview. But I think that is such a good point. And to add to she is not Herbie fully loaded, I believe Schwartz is a Roomba. Mm. You just kind of tap him. And then he goes that way. And you tap him and he goes the other way. You just, whatever you want to be. You just tap him. That being said, I don't like him in that I support him. But wow, does he bring me a lot of joy to watch. Like, He's he and it's probably because I'm still new to the franchise again. But like he's he was really making me laugh by trying to be funny in the reunion in a space. It was uncalled for. He was. Yeah, it was like so wildly inappropriate. And when he was like, is that what I look like when I'm kissing? I was like, I thought I was cool. (laughs) Like, oh, man, man. Okay, moving on. Things we didn't get to discuss because Scandaval took up all the air in the room. My first on the docket, Katie's mom. (laughs) Terry. (laughs) Terry, Katie brought her mom into several situations where Katie, kind of infamous for being unfeeling or unemotional or not kind of going that route, brings in her mom who's ready to cry, ready it's to like point she brought fingers. In her, her proxy, her feelings proxy. Yes. It's almost, yes, exactly. It's like she brought in like a clone, but it's her mom. Yeah. And it's like, my mom was meant to be on the show, but she was out of age range. So I am, yeah. but she's tapping it. Yes. Her mom crying and screaming about the divorce, about she's getting in Raquel's face. It it did kind of make me, to quote Raquel, cringe. (laughs) Um, I really felt like this is one of, this is a really gross move on Katie's part. Terry does not look good. Like, it it was very weird to see it. Terry did lose her cool at one point. I thought it was really funny because it's such an odd environment to bring a mom into it's almost like it's as odd as bringing like just a normal person and off the street who hasn't had their face beat to hell before like going to get coffee with a friend like they're like these people don't exist in the realm of real the real world so it is sort of like oh yeah and also my friend jerry's coming from work he's the hr guy like it's just but it's even deeper because it's her mom it's like hey i'm bringing my dying grandfather (laughs) so you have to be nice to dinner (laughs) <laughs> he has some feelings about how you fucked someone else that he's never met before. <laughs> you know, I, I don't I don't feel exactly the same way as you because I feel like Katie has such a hard time. People really dislike her. And I just, I, I get it. But I feel like she has such an intense wall up that she was, I feel like having trouble communicating on behalf of herself about like why this would hurt her and why this was hurting her and why like, her having one rule for her for like this breakup was important to her. And it's sort of that thing where like, 
Boundaries are hard. It's hard to put up boundaries. Putting up the boundary itself is a lot of work. Upholding the boundary or someone going past the boundary is like, oh my God, now I have to do that too. So like she put up the boundary and the boundary was like, don't hook up in the friend group. He's like, it's a conversation that didn't, it didn't need to be so long. Like he's like, but I want to. And she's like, but don't, we agreed on it. And then it should be like, okay, then I won't. But instead it was like, but I want to. And this person thinks I should. And yeah, I think this person thinks I should. And so she like, her bringing her mom, I felt like her mom was being like, this is a person. Like you're hurting a person. And this person's going through an actual divorce. Like, like this is real. And it is like bringing your mom to the schoolyard fight. You agreed to fight. And like I if think I was I like, wish hey, mine did come to that fight. Oh my God. Okay. This is where we disagree <laughs> because I'm just like, listen, if we agreed to rough each other up after school at 3 PM, your mom doesn't get to come and swing. <laughs> this is like, and it's this between is, us. And this is what I always felt like when I worked in customer service, I where like when people would be rude to me, I would be like, you know, like I have parents, right? Like people love me outside of this interaction. And you're talking to me like I'm not a person, but like, Sometimes you need your mom to remind people that you're you come from somewhere. <laughs> Hilarious. Okay. My second thing we didn't get to discuss because of Scandal, Satchel. Yeah. His name. Yeah. His demeanor. Yeah. His outfits. Yeah. His presence. The flat space on either side of his head before his curls begin. The part was like a flat plateau that from his part, and then it became curls. Here's my question. Do we think he is Asher from Beverly Hills's little brother? <laughs> I think the I think the hardest part about Satchel for me was that I I did recognize my curls in him and I did I saw what he was attempting with gel and I wished so badly I could go in there and intervene and it's just really hard. it's hard to see your own curls mimicked on screen such mm-hmm. a sensitive topic he needed a curl regimen bad and I think he I think he must have one it's just the wrong one I don't understand how Katie, obviously being like, I'm going to bring a hot guy in here to show you that I'm worth something too, could not find some meathead loser at pump who has a protein company who would want some airtime. It couldn't. Was there no one available? I know. It couldn't have been an easier order to bring a man that will make your ex-husband feel small. And yet you brought a literal cocker spaniel to the beach party. You bought you brought the the runt you, of the cocker you brought spaniels. The, the whitest, curliest little guy. Little guy. Is he leading with Satchel? He is Satchel. If he didn't change his name to Satchel, I, I can't comprehend it. Like, how did you get born with that name and then become that name? And then everyone had to be nice about it, which was like yeah. the worst. That was, I think, the, the most acting that cast has ever done is everyone was like, oh, good, good. Yes. Very, good. Nice, Glad you very nice little boy. Brought. Hmm. Okay, some quick ones before we can dive into the real meat. Mm. Uh, Rachel using her puffy sleeves as Muppets and in her best moment of the whole She's season. Very funny. I enjoyed that. Very funny. It kind of offset her whole personality. It gave me questions. James crying over the Imagine Festival DJ event, which my husband looked up. It does seem to have been a pool party <gasps> at Imagine Festival. Oh, and his name was so small and those editors did him so dirty. Just unbelievable. Oh, um, Schwartz saying, Lala, you're a good mom. Wait, Lala, you're a good mom as like an attack, but said as a compliment. <laughs> it made me laugh. Not, not cool. It made me laugh. And then watching Sandoval and Schwartz try and open up their restaurant this season was like watching Steve Carell's character from Anchorman and Steve Carell's character from The Office try and open <laughs> a restaurant together. It was 
so brutal how stressed they were when Tom was doing his whole band, his whole other band. His whole hobby? How could he have time? karaoke hobby? I know. And then the restraining order didn't get enough airtime. Such, I also like, I have to say, like, misusing a restraining order. I'm never going to be a fan of it. Those are supposed to be for, like, something else. And she weaponized it. Yeah. And you know she had counsel on that. Like, you know she didn't come up with that idea herself. And, like, that's also what's so upsetting is, like, you know she, like, the crisis management PR situation of all of this is, like, People are giving bad advice left and right to these people. And she is, I think, a sponge. Like, I think yeah. she, I, I really would have liked, because Sheena gives an Oscar award-winning monologue about how much it impacted her to have that restraining order and how stressful it was and how deep this betrayal was for her best friend to do this. And she had asked her directly. She was just gaslit by Raquel. She asked directly and she still lied to her. And I I wish they had asked Raquel a little bit more in front of everyone else to, like, say something to Sheena, who was watching 100 yards away. Well said. My final little moment that I wish we could spend an hour on is Ariana delivering the best read of all time. You're a dementor. Because you like Harry Potter, right? (laughs) It was the only time Raquel showed any emotion the whole time where she was like, no, no, don't hit me in my ouchie spot. Like... She was so seen. It was yeah, that she, she finally said got so the many term. horrible things. That girl sat there while people and it was hard to watch that pile on. Despite the fact that I think it's also like as a nation we're all watching something we wish we could do which is bring all of your friends to a breakup postmortem. Like what a yes. gift. What an yes. actual gift. Can you imagine if your ex did something horrible and you could bring seven of your friends to think of all the stuff you forget about in the moment, to build you up, to scream at them? Like, this is actually... It's a fantasy. It's a fantasy. And we and she took it. She sat there and she took it. It was hard to watch. She's a person after all. But the one thing that got her was Harry Potter. Sibling fights are unavoidable, but what if every fight you had was under a microscope on a global scale? That's the reality for brothers Prince William and Prince Harry. They were each other's closest friends and allies since the death of their mother. But that all began to crack as they married and took wildly different approaches to their royal duties. Wondry's podcast, Disintel, is hosted by comedians Sidney Battle and Matt Balasai. Each episode unpacks one of pop culture's most iconic celebrity feuds, and they recently took a deeper look into the real reason William versus Harry started. It's actually much bigger than these two brothers, stretching back into the history of the British monarchy. Did their feud start with the royal family's mistreatment of Meghan Markle, or was it something that started much earlier? Follow Disintel on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. I started this podcast because I have been obsessed with memoirs my entire life. And I can't believe it, but I got to write my own. And it comes out on June 4th, and you can order it right now. The book, you know, I was asked to describe it, and I said, it is an absolutely harrowing, traumatic memoir, but funny. So if that sounds good to you, order it. Let me give you some topics that are in this memoir. A female best friendship breakup. How I got my break into Hollywood. When I found out my dad was not my real dad. The time I dated a magician. Are those last two related? Who's to say? Read the book. Growing up in Utah. Growing up around cults. How I got into therapy. Listen, I could keep going. Each chapter title is a different woman's name in my life. Some are heroes. Some are motherfucking villains. 
But you know what? A villain and a hero, what are both of those things? A leading role. And we do love women in our leading roles. So pre-order the book. It matters a lot. I linked everywhere that you can buy it in the show notes, but you know, go anywhere. Also, I am reading the audiobook personally. So I'm personally narrating it. So if you like this podcast, get my longest podcast ever. And the audiobook is also available for pre-sale everywhere you get audiobooks. And thank you so much for listening to this podcast. You are the reason I got to write a memoir. So thank you so, so much. I This is the perfect tangent into our final section, which is radical honesty Mm. and what to do when you are cheating or if you are witnessing a friend cheating, because you just said Raquel took it. It's tough for me. I sort of ended this feeling like, you know, by not showing any emotion and also showing emotion in incorrect places. She's smiling when, when what she's saying is a frown. It felt like something was actually really deeply wrong with her. Um, something deeply, deeply wrong. Yeah. Uh, to what extent that is, I like, I don't, don't know, not a doctor. Not for us but, to say. Um, not for us to say, but there is something going on. Yeah. And I think the way she processed that emotion made everything worse because she's coming across as in their own words, they said like a sociopath, like not right. showing emotion. Right. It's not seeming to, I mean, it was awful. I mean, she, she was called the worst things and didn't even flinch. No. And so then I think they kept going. Um, and it, it was hard to watch. I will say also too, like I spoke about this on another podcast, but when I learned her weird adoption story, yeah. I mean, I'm sorry to shade it like that, but like her mom gave her to her sister, but then she calls who is her aunt, her mom. And she calls her mom by her name. I just can't imagine. Her mom basically didn't. gave up her own, her child because she got pregnant too closely together and didn't, wasn't, wasn't prepared to have another child. And her sister was having infertility. So she gave her sister, her baby. And her sister adopted the baby who was Raquel. I think there's like possible, I can't speak to it. Possibly there's a world where that works. But the thing I definitely see in Raquel, even going to like her name change is like just obliteration of self yeah. identity oh, yeah. and personhood that occurs from a situation like that as positive as it may even seem. Like her mom was still in her life. She was wanted and loved. Right. But like there's no getting around the repercussions of something like that. Yeah, there's definitely, like, it seems like a pattern in her life of not knowing who she is. And I think, like, yes. the the pageant thing is also, like, the pageant thing into late adulthood is also, like, that's red flags. Like, there is, I, I don't think anybody would disagree that there is definite grooming going on with Tom Sandoval and Raquel. Like, the way he— I think that's why he likes her. Oh, yeah. I mean, the way he, he looked at her when she was— Answering questions, he was looking at her like, I will fucking murder you if you do, if you say the wrong word here. Like, so, yes, exactly. So that leads us to the kind of big bombshell at the end is that they do a second interview mm -hmm. with Raquel where she comes clean about the timeline. Yeah. And she basically says that, as Tom was saying, it was only one time over and over and over again. That was a giant lie. When they said they didn't sleep together in their house after Ariana's um, grandma had had passed away and she was at the funeral without her life partner that they slept together then at the house. So all of those were lies. Raquel came clean. So this is kind of the radical honesty part. She kind of went in there to just kind of finally come clean. Yeah. That being said, she still tried to uphold some lies. 
the producer got him out of her. Yeah. What, what do you think that was about? Well, it's interesting because I wondered, like, if she was approached for that interview or if she was, like, still in touch with her producer. Like, I think it is pretty regular that you have your producer that you talk with that's, like, your person, um, also probably grooming you on a reality show. And I think that... I'm curious if, like, she was still in touch and they were like, well, there's always a chance to, like, come in and, like, set the record straight. And I think it's it speaks to the fact that she is a human being and she did have stuff weighing on her that she wanted to communicate. But it also speaks to her fear of Tom because she said in the interview, like, he's going to kill me. Like, we agreed that this is a bad look. We agree- Like, they had definitely agreed on things that they were going to say. But it also speaks to the fact that she doesn't think two steps ahead of herself because when she was asked about questions that she still wanted to lie about, she was, like, caught like a deer in headlights. And it was so rough. She, there's, when I say, like, something's wrong, like, something emotionally or otherwise is, like, stunting her her mental mm-hmm. processing. Yes. Like, she can't, like, even when they talk about it in terms of, well, I we knew it was a bad look, and she starts crying. Yeah. They're not talking about, like, we knew it would hurt Ariana. No, nothing about They're that. talking about the instakes of it's a bad look. It's the press. It's That's all their consequences. It's not how Ariana actually feels. Even when she started to direct her apology towards Ariana, she said, I can't believe I was capable. And you think in your head, like, she's going to say, I can't believe I was capable of hurting someone, of committing so much pain. She says, I can't believe I was capable of keeping this secret. They're so stuck on the fact that, like, they kept something from people and so much less on the actions. Even when Ariana is, like, when they keep saying sorry to her, she was like, but you're not sorry. You're still doing it. Yeah. Like, they. so that's what's so, the disconnect. Such a disconnect that, Tom is helping her with. I think if she had like someone else in her ear, she would be acting differently. Yeah. But so here's my big question for you. So we've had conversations because we've witnessed things in uh, other in lives yeah. where when someone comes forward and they're like, I had an emotional affair. Uh, listen, you, I'm going to say yeah. they've always fucked. You are, and you, I remember you saying this to me when we were like 23 and I was like, no, that can't be. They said it was emotional. I mean, maybe there's an actual emotional affair out there. I'm just saying in my (laughs) life, I'm talking everything from personally witnessed, heard through friends, books, television, anything. They've they've always fucked you guys. They've always fucked. It's just what it is. When you come forward, you say we fucked once, you've fucked many times. They come forward and they're like, I mean, it's just, it's always worse because people think they can lower the level of hurt and lower their level of guilt if they admit, but like- not make it much as bad. So do you think, like, it, in what world does radical honesty come into play with this? Like, yeah. do you think it could have happened? At what point does it help? At what point does it hurt? I think, like, I, I think the basis of it, of radical honesty, is, like, it's a gift to give someone everything so that they can process the truth in a way that helps them move on. And I think, like, had... Had they told Ariana the first time or whatever, this was just so long. They had so many opportunities. There were so many lies. Had it happened when Allie saw them out and had it happened when Tom didn't take that ride back to Ariana when she was struggling, like there were so many times Whenever it was to come out, whenever they were first asked about it and they decided to keep lying about it, this is where I start like checking off like that was a missed opportunity that was a missed opportunity that was a missed opportunity because I do think like the universe gives you chances to come clean if even if you decided you're not going to and they clearly decided they weren't going to and like 
there kept being opportunities for them to do it and they kept denying it. And I think I think even Raquel doing that interview was maybe her attempt at giving some closure in some way to Ariana. And maybe I'm giving her like way more credit than she deserves. And I probably am. But like, I just think in these situations, when you give someone a half truth, it's it's so disrespectful and it's so it's making them a fool and it's condescending. And so radical honesty is a gift for someone else. So if you care about them, it's a gift you give them. Is that how you can do it? Even though, cause it's hard for the person, right. And the fears, whatever they bring to it being like, I'm, we're going to say it's just once and not the whole time. Right. Cause that'll be better. Blah, blah, blah. Like how, how, and like in what situation could they have pushed themselves to radical honesty? Like what incentive is there for the person right. other than I respect Ariana, yeah. she deserves it all. Like, how do you get yourself to do it if you don't want it? Right. I don't know how to answer that. I think you really have to have a really strong moral compass. I think clearly you're doing something s- selfish. There is something selfish happening when you're withholding truth from someone like that. Like in this situation, there is a selfishness that is at play. It's an opportunity for redemption, I think, to give the full honesty. So I think you can't get to that. Personal redemption. Yeah. And I think you don't Uh get to, you don't get to experience personal redemption until you've given all of the truth up. And I think a lot of people feel that like, I think some people are of the mindset that like telling the truth just unburdens you. And like, then now you've given the burden to someone else. But at the point where you're giving half of the truth, just give the whole fucking truth. Because right. the- like either pull this off. Yeah. Pull <laughs> or it radical off. honesty. Pull off the caper or like let everyone burn it down and move on in a way that helps them. Because I feel when you give half, you don't give people the opportunity to actually process and like move forward. And make their own choices. Right. So like you're still holding all the power. Right. Yeah. And by holding the power, to me, it's, it's selfishness on a level of, it's a psychotic selfishness because it's also assuming that you know what's best for that other person who you've already deceived. How dare you think Mm. you know what's best for their life? You Mm -hmm. haven't even given them the chance to like, take a look at what you've done and decide how they want to be a part of it. Yeah. So Like, what would you say to someone where, like, let's say you're, like, a witness to it. Like, let's say she had confided in Sheena. Yeah. Let's say she had, you know what I mean? Like, because Sheena, like, kind of did pick up on it. Yeah. And Sheena was like, tell me you're not doing that. Yeah. I don't know. It's like, how do you ask for radical honesty? Like, like should, like, if Sheena had said, like, you have to tell by X day or something or. Yeah. Or, like, what do you do when, because I'm just, like, trying to, I guess no one in the friend group knew. And Raquel at the very end decided to go radical honesty against Sandoval's wishes. I just, it's a really interesting concept to me because I think honesty is seen as, like, you're going to hurt someone. Right. As Tom kept saying, well, we didn't want to hurt Ariana. Right. So. As he said hilariously in the green room. Amazing. How could we not lie? They, they're making us out like we're liars, but how could we not lie about this? You're like, that's that's true. You guys are fucks. She also, I just have to say, furiously changed into her sweats at a, yeah. with a haste that only I have when I come home from doing something. Yes. Um, no, she got off a, a glamorous dress like very quickly. It still had its tags. I, stop. It did. I know. I, I'm just thankful. I'm thankful you caught it. I didn't see that. And I really, I really enjoy that detail. Um, (laughs) Okay. As our producer Kate put in the chat, when they started the show, they were getting $10,000 for the entire season. That is, that is millions of miles below minimum wage. When you break that down, obviously this does not include the grandmaster, Lisa Vanderpump. (laughs) 
when they renegotiated, we can't confirm it, but they were getting then 15,000 to 25,000 per episode, which I would say is the equivalent of like the lowest actor, like in a new network sitcom. So it's like a huge, like we're talking like Abbott Elementary. If one of the actors got a very, very, very bad deal, they're probably getting $25,000 yeah. an episode to compare the two. If they're getting $25,000 an episode and they're doing 13 episodes a year, that's $325,000. I don't understand why we're renting in North Hollywood. I don't think they have reps the way actors have reps. Like they're not paying out. 30% right. commission is not leaving. On top of that, they have, they supposedly have real jobs. James, you know, you get a DJ fee. So there's stuff happening. Uh, you know, they've got restaurants, they've got They have endorsements. Lines. They're doing like SponCon. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, here's what I'm kind of like hearing from you, though, is that it comes down. You said moral compass, Mm. but I think, is it possibly the quality of selfishness versus selflessness and where on the scale your own character can go? And I'm like trying to think of my own scale, too, because like I think I suffer from a thing called guilt. So it's like I really go towards like not being selfish, not necessarily even from like a moral high ground, just from a like. Oh, yeah. God. Um, but I do have like selfishness in me. I, I it, it is that weird thing of like how self, how much selfishness can you have? And can it be at the expense of not caring that you're hurting someone? I think that's a real line. Yeah. I think that, I, I think that they had to do a lot of mental gymnastics to convince themselves that like carrying this on for as long as they did was justifiable. And I, I would imagine that he, he was telling her that the timing had to be really perfect. So Ariana wouldn't care and that they would be friends afterwards and everyone would be fine with it. I'm sure they were telling themselves a lot of lies about how no one would care when everyone really deeply cared. Yeah. And I will say three key things in this to me is that Ariana was asked kind of not even during the official reunion, what if they had confessed the emotional affair? And she's, she would have been at a hundred then, by the way. So would I, she would have said like, end it with her or end it with me, which that is when they should have brought it to her. So there is no amount of, if the timing is right, if the amount of times is right, Ariana won't care. She, she was always going to care. Raquel believed they could be in a, that was incredible. That was incredible. And that's where you sort of also see something is wrong because she just sees this like bucket of love she wants to be a part of and couldn't conceive of the fact that maybe when they try and bring in the thruple idea, that could also be a hurtful thing. Not just like Raquel sleeps in our bed with us. Right. It was very like, it was delusional. It was delusional to see that she was like, well, everything could work out if we just, like, Ariana could be so happy with this. Which also is an indicator of the confusion he was spewing at her. Because he's telling her they're unhappy. So why would the solution be to keep being together and have her in the relationship? Like, there's so much, mm-hmm. there's had to just be so many lies coming from that guy. Like, even when they walked back, after, also, after being just eviscerated for hours and they walk backstage when she furiously changes into her sweatpants. She is shaken up and he is looking at her, like trying to understand what she's feeling. She's like, we can't be this bad. I can't be a person that hurts people. And he's looking at her like, Oh, uh uh-huh. Like, and he goes, well, you did better than me. Yeah. Like it's a game. Yeah. It's very, and then also they're laughing two minutes later. They're laughing it up about how Allie is the upgrade. But that's, I actually, 
I actually really like that felt like the first kind of honest sure. moment where she's like admitting that like Allie is an upgrade because she's been horrible. Yes. And they're actually telling the truth to each other. Granted, it's in a joke. And it's like a window into like they are. It's the first time you've seen them not like stilted with each other because they're so aware of their cameras. Camera. I have to say one thing about Allie. Can I say one thing about Allie? that I feel like the discourse has not touched upon. Yes. Okay. And I, I said that James and Lala, I do believe, are our nickels in May. But I do think. That James is horrifically fat phobic and has like over the years proven himself to be such a disgusting person. And when they asked Allie about it, she said, I don't think the word fat should ever be used. And people were like, like, go girl. Yeah, she's an ally. And I'm like, why has nobody talked about the fact that she thinks fat is a bad word? Well, yeah, it's like it's like noble for her to in a world where James calls everyone's mom fat at Thanksgiving in a world where she thinks he shouldn't say the word fat ever. I can see how she got there. It's also I will say, like, we've not talked enough about her being an astrologist. Not enough has been touched upon. Also, I mean, there's a lot with Allie, too, because there is in the extended version, they they showed a lot of clips of James cheating on Raquel, like, of women being like, I fucked him. <laughs> like, three women being like, me too, me too, me too. Here's a picture of him in my bed. And Allie leans forward to Sheena in the trailer, and she goes, is this recently? And she goes, no, this was years ago. And Allie goes, uh, okay, good. <laughs> like, it's just like, we're watching in the reunion, we're watching the idea that, you know, when it happens once, it can happen again. And Allie's like, no. never. She, if I, if no. I could just... Get a hint of whatever brings lightness to this woman. Maybe I got a book of tarot reading with her. I tried. She's full. Oh, good for her. I tried. I didn't try and do it for me. I was going to burden Yasser with it as a, as a birthday present. She's full, but not fat with clients. <laughs> don't say fat. Everyone hashtag don't say fat. It's rude. Yeah. Body positivity. It's rude. Yeah. Allie, I will say, is a gift to this group of people. Yeah. But I would say in another situation, Allie is something entirely different depending on which group of people we're <laughs> pulling her into, <laughs> you know? Um, so here's my final two questions. What would you say to anyone who has been watching this situation go down, who has done this thing in their own yeah. past as some sort of moment towards it? Like, how do you get to radical honesty? And how do you personally, Joe Feldman, how do you do it? Anyone, I would say, watch this, watch this play out. This doesn't. Yeah, but but they're going to be like, I'm not them. No, anyone would everyone be like that. thinks that you are. Tom Sandoval would watch Tom Sandoval and be like, I'm not I know, that. I know. It's so, you're right. It's so true. You can't, it's so it's so easy to see from the outside what you can't see when you're in it. Um, I I think I would, I don't know how to convince someone to have empathy. I think that's the hardest part is you're just like, what if someone was doing this to you? If like that, if you really can sit with that and feel what that feels like, I think you'll be able to find the answer of what you should be doing. If you hear what would you do if someone was doing this to you, and you don't feel bad, I think you really need to search within yourself about what 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 you might be, what stories you're telling yourself that are letting you get away with things that I think we globally have agreed upon are pretty horrible to do to other people. That was that was beautiful. Thanks. Thank you, Dr. Joe. Oh, I'm not a doctor, but I am a doctor. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on to discuss Scandal. Do you think there's gonna be another season? 
Of course, these people are getting so much money. Even Lala was like, yeah, they should come back on. <laughs> they all know it's great TV. Okay, good. Do you think Raquel will be brought back on? Um, and I hope for her. I honestly hope no. I really like, I, I, I feel like she needs to, some, she needs to start afresh somewhere. I, I will say this. I have confirmed, confirmed a source from yes. a very trusted source that um, season nine was supposed to be the last season ever of Vanderpump Rules. It just mm. was. Then Schwartz and Katie got a divorce and they said, okay, we'll come back for 10 episodes to cover this divorce and then we're done. Then Scandaval happened. Wow. Now this source kind of had this like, oh, like what if it was done on purpose to like reignite the season? I don't think they have that kind of talent yeah. and strategy behind that decision-making. Um, but it's funny because like this show is maybe going to be over and does it have one more season? Does it have 10 all because of this? Interesting. Yeah, I think if it does continue, I think what we all need to just do is accept how lucky we are to be alive in a time of Scandaval. We are so lucky that cameras were up. We are that cameras got up so fast. We are just blessed at this coverage. We are blessed that these people talk to TMZ. Like we have just been we've been given so much. And I think we have to accept that if there is another season, it ain't ever going to feel like this again. Yeah, this we really did peak. And you know what? I constantly feel grateful to reality TV stars because they go through so much and, and yet they give. They, they give, give such gifts. I'm monsters, but given gifts. <laughs> <laughs> I really did. Like the other night, I was just high on my couch and I got actual chills thinking about how lucky we are to be alive during this. Joe Feldman, thank you for coming on. Where can people find you, follow you, love you, support your work? Oh, don't follow me anywhere. Everything is private. I just post pictures of my children. But um, I always like to give a shout out to my mom's jewelry business, Heartware Designs. Marcy Feldman, heartware like heart your organ, um, but also the shape. And she makes beautiful custom jewelry. Check her out, heartwaredesigns.com. Okay, bye, you guys. Bye. That's all for this episode of Glamorous Trash Talk. If you like these tangents I'm doing, please let me know. It helps me to keep doing them, just emotionally. Uh, we have a queer ultimatum one coming up. We are recording it tomorrow night. I'm so excited for that. I have so many good episodes brewing. You can always start a conversation on Patreon and my Instagram comments on Facebook. If there's other episodes we want to do, um, you know, just let me know. Huge shout out to our producer, Kate Downey, our episode engineer, DJ Bouncy House. And if you like these episodes, you want to support us, you can always do it on the Patreon. We have a dollar a month option. That's where you can just like tag in. You get all the posts. You get the bonus episodes. It's just like a really easy way to support us. It takes like two seconds and it means a lot. And uh, I'll see you guys soon for more glamorous trash talk. Thank you.